Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 27th of October 2011. For newcomers, I always tell you to help yourself to the free audios uh, which are available for download at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and hopefully you'll understand the big system. And it's a system, an integrated system that runs the world with its own planners, think tanks, big money boys, big bankers are all in it, of course. And they plan the future, and they, they plan the present. And uh, it's, it's been going on for an awful long time, this whole uh, system. Why give up power to chance if you don't make the future happen to benefit yourself? That's how they, they see things. And they're quite right, actually. That's the truth. That's how you do hold on to power. You simply make the future come to pass the way you want it to come to pass with yourself still in power or your offspring taking over in the same positions, of, especially money control. Everything revolves around the private creation and the management of money uh, and the lending to governments. So I show you the big foundations, organizations, the parallel government, the NGOs, etc., all involved in this system. And where they're taking you into austerity, depopulation is a big part of it. The, U- the United Nations is prattling on about it again. They always do it this time of year. And... Um, of course, we've all got to basically reduce the population, eat a lot less, and even insects, in fact, even some of the big television stations are promoting uh, chef shows on eating insects. Isn't that wonderful? That's for all you lot, mind you, not for the ones at the top. And I'm, I've no doubt they can pull it off if they make it trendy enough and sex, if, sex it up. I always sex things up, that's what they call it. And remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you so you can help me keep going by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Uh, and donating from uh, the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check or you can send cash or you can use um, an international postal money order from the post office. It's the same price as an ordinary uh, postal order. And uh, you can use PayPal. You'll find out how to do it at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And remember, straight donations are awfully welcome as we go through this uh, farce of inflation. Across the rest of the world, you've got Western Union, you've got MoneyGram, and you've also got PayPal once again. And once again, straight donations are awfully welcome. Uh, the young people today, uh, very few will actually donate because they think everything should be free. They really believe that's how it is. And they don't realize whatever really is truly free is, uh, is there to indoctrinate them. Uh, basically, that's it. Simple as that. So anyway... What I try to do here is to document, really, the big uh, foundations, organizations, and how structures work with other parts of the structures to keep the system in place and to always keep the public totally distracted on trivia and irrelevances as we go through the biggest changes. The biggest changes is this world order. It's a socialist-type world order run by the big bankers on top uh, with thousands of think tanks working for them. And uh, they want to bring in this type of Fabian society, their utopia, 
where massive government and bureaucracies and governmental agencies will make sure that everyone is monitored and actually upgraded, if you like, from cradle to grave for a peaceful society. They've already got these projects running in places like Scotland uh, and other parts of Europe. And Sarkozy was one of the guys who helped uh, design it, supposedly, certainly pushed it. So we're going through the, into the plant society. And I remember uh, putting up the, one of the, the documentaries uh, a few years ago on uh, the Soviet story, I think it was one of them. And you'll see, um, I think it was Shaw, it was, it was Shaw, the writer, who was one of the founders of the Fabian Society, saying that uh, you, you, all of you people, the ordinary people, will come to us. And you must justify why we should keep you alive in our system. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. And I've gone over so many of the foundations over the years and uh, mentioned various books, like foundations, their power and influence, and uh, nothing's changed really. Think tanks run the world, they advise all governments, they're all privately owned, of course, you don't vote the think tanks in, but however their policies end up being pushed on you. So it's only quite natural that a small clique really of world managers run the world, uh, along with the banking boys, who will never ever give up their hold over the cash system in the, in the money creation business and lending to governments, because that's total control. That, that's more powerful than armies, because every government must pay their armies from the cash they get from you. And so that's where the guys went into money lending thousands of years ago, knew they were the, going to be the winners. And just that's just the way it is, until, until people kicked them out and put their own stuff, system in. And some countries did that at one time. But they won't give up, of course, and, um, and just that's the way it is. Now, we know, too, that uh, bread and circuses is what the public get, especially at election times, and it's, it's even more so in the U.S. because they literally have balloons and things, balloons and guys dressed like clowns and like a festival uh, parade, a big circus of things. And it's kind of bizarre and surrealistic if you if you think you're, you're voting someone in that you don't really know at all. He said he's smiling a lot and holding a balloon, and he's got the power to declare war or get you off fighting someone else that you've never heard of before generally uh, for a reason you'll never understand and uh, it's all done in a festival scenario well I've talked about the culture industry before and how the Pentagon works so heavily with Hollywood and the music business too by the way and all, all the arts in fact and uh, here's Obama off to Hollywood and it says here this is from the Hollywood Reporters. He's among the small group of industry insiders who were invited to attend the early morning meeting with the president at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel, where Weinstein Co. Zero Head Harvey Weinstein, CAA Manager Partner Music Head Rob Light, ICM President Chris Silberman, Modern Family Creator Steve Leviton, Atlantic Records Chairman Craig Kalman, Producer-Songwriter Bruce Roberts, Talent Manager-Producer Jason Weinberg, UTA music agent Robert Prince, uh, talent manager and producer Eric Ortner, Island Def Jam senior vice president Karen Quack, Warner Brothers record president Livia Tortella, talent manager Greg Mertz, 
Adi, and so on. It goes on and on and on. Mara Boxbaum, uh, Bruce Floor, Michael Green, Tom Sturges, etc. So the event was not a fundraiser and attendees were not asked to donate to Obama to his re-election campaign, but those invited have been ardent supporters of the president and were identified as influencers. Now, this is the culture industry, the culture creation business. They only, they only create culture, they update it and alter it and, and decide where it's to go. Big parts, and uh, even to do with the, the promiscuous society we live in today, because we emulate what we see. Monkey see, monkey do. Very old trick, of course, but it works all the time. But anyway, it says, they're the influencers with the ability to help Obama shape the national political conversation heading into a tough race in 2012. So in other words, these are the people who literally come up with the fantastic ideas for campaigns. And remember, these are guys who deal with fiction and entertainment, uh, that, and they run your lives, just the serious business of your lives. They give you little slogans to chant and things like that. This is an insider who attended the hour-long meeting with the Obama campaign staff, tells THR that the vibe was casual. The president appeared for about 25 to 30 minutes, telling the group that his campaign would be tough, and he needed their help to engage the Hollywood community, in particular, and the general public at large. It says the meeting comes at a time when Obama seems to be grappling with how close his campaign should align itself with the entertainment industry. I mean, they're joined at the hip. How can you get closer than that, you know? And they're always in and out of... So it's the same with Clinton, too. They're always in and out of the White House. Some of them slept there. And uh, anyway, it's been there quite a few times for to drum up support and to come up with uh, strategies. So that's not too bad. You go to the top, these are the guys who can certainly do it because they've altered whole nations and the way that their culture is and behaves, etc. Now, I've also, also mentioned, too, that uh, part of the big objective of uh, this world agenda is to do with depopulation. Now, what they always do and what they have planned to do a long time ago is uh, they told the countries that were first world at the time, the producing countries, uh, to have fewer children, which they did because people in a, across Europe are pretty obedient. They, they followed the orders and had about one child per family, maybe two max, and the population dropped. And then Thatcher got in and she says there was not enough people to uh, pay off the national debts. And there's folk getting older and there's no children to take up the slack. So the floodgates to immigration were opened quite a bit. They'd already been opened before she came, but they opened it further to the most diverse nations and cultures. And then Tony Blair came in, and he, he literally, I think, blew away the, the, the wall of the dam altogether. And, uh, and that came out in the press from, from the assistant prime minister, he's, he's, who was told to do that very thing, let them all in. It says to destroy the culture uh, and even the history of Britain forever, so it could never, ever reemerge uh, the way it was before. That's been awfully, awfully good. So whenever you, you hear a story like this one, you know it's part of the agenda of uh, dis- destruction. It says 4,000 foreign criminals are set free to, flight, uh, to fight deportation, including murderers, rapists, and child sex offenders. Thousands are led out of detention centers because there was no prospect of them being deported in a reasonable time. Now, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that's the reason? So nearly 4,000 foreign criminals who should have been deported 
are at large on the streets of Britain, an official report revealed last night. Human rights claims and red tape are giving them their freedom while they fight deportation orders. The criminals include dozens of former prisoners convicted of offences such as murder, rape and sex crimes against children. Uh, The figure emerged in a report by John Vine, Chief Inspector of the UK Border Agency. He revealed there were 3,775 criminals in May this year who had been released from immigration detention centres because there was no prospect of them being deported. Uh, Of those, 3,259 had served sentences for low-level offences, another, it's like drugs and shoplifting and stuff like that, another 429 for more serious crimes and 87 for the most serious offences, including murder, rape and paedophilia. Some are unable to be deported because it's thought unsafe to send them back to their home countries or because of difficulties in getting hold of a passport so they can be put on a plane. Last year, a total of 576 used the Human Rights Act to prevent them from being kicked out, the report found, with the vast majority citing Article 8, the controversial right to a private and family life clause, I guess. So that's, that's really how it is. In the past, the courts allowed immigrants to stay if they had a wife and children, but in recent years, judges have extended it to its reach to include a rapist with a social life <laughs> and a killer who maybe only raped his neighbours, I don't know, who lived with his parents. During the inspection, immigration officials complained to Mr. Vine uh, that British courts were interpreting Article 8 much more liberally than European Court of Human Rights judges sitting in Strasbourg. Uh, Wormley, the government just uh, lost one in three human rights cases which went to appeal. And it says that uh, between February 2010 and January this year, 425 foreign prisoners won their appeal against deportation. Another 151 were given permission to stay by home office officials. So what is to do is to put more on the streets, to create more crime. And, and the cops love it, the, the judges love it, and, and they, they always get more cops. And, and uh, this is a time now, too, for private cops in Britain. There's quite a few uh, places across Britain uh, they have hired big teams from security companies. Uh, one of them is, uh, is Force something or other. They call it Force something company, corporation. But uh, they are now the policemen. So privatization has taken over. And, of course, they'd love nothing better than say, oh, there's so much crime out there, and they can hire more guys on and become much, much bigger. So that's what they do. And, of course, the law system needs crime and to survive. It's a very lucrative field to be in. And they need lots of crime as well. And, but it also makes the country seem unsafe, you see. Uh, the more crime there is, the more unsafe you feel. And the more power you give personally to government to do what they want, which they actually do do, of course. <laughs> they use that. And in the UK is a good example, too, for I talked about Tony Blair, who's in the quartet. They call this private little club of four. There's got some strange deal working where they get paid by the British government to be sort of envoys in a sort of official, unofficial capacity. And at the same time, Tony Blair fills his pockets by making deals for his master, J.P. Morgan, wherever he happens to go at the same time, of course. And uh, here's another one, too. Margaret Thatcher, who's been out of the picture for a long time, she claims £535,000 for ex-Prime Minister duties after she retired. It says, um, the former Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher, has claimed 535000 of taxpayers' money over the last five years, government records have shown. 
she's 86. Uh, she, she makes a rare public appearance once in a while and suffers poor health, was paid from the public duties cost allowance available to XMPs. Others to benefit uh, have been her successor, John Major, who was, who was paid £490,000 in the last five years. They're all out uh, of office. Eh? And, of course, Tony Blair. Eh? In 2000, 2008-9, Mr. Blair claimed £169,076, more than his Downing Street diary, his, his salary, sorry. So that's, that's basically like um, you've retired from your work, but you pop in because you showed up at some little do with a big dinner and you said a few words. And so you get paid for, for, for prattling, even though technically she's out, the public shouldn't be paying her anymore. But they have all these special things worked out for them. It says, since leaving office, Mr. Blair, who ran the country, well, he actually ruined the country for a decade from 1997, has claimed just under £273,000. What a greedy psychopath this guy is. You should see the deals he's making all over the planet for himself. It's just disgusting. And getting away with it. Getting away with it. Anyway, we'll be back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and everyone's been prattling on about the, this bill, this, this Protect IP bill to do with the internet, and it's been renamed E-Parasites Act, according to some here, who would create the Great Firewall of America. This is, as it was unfortunately expected, the House version of Protect IP has been released, and it says, and it's ridiculously bad, despite promises from Representative Goodlatte's. There's been no serious effort to fix the problems of the Senate bill, and it's clear that absolutely no attention was paid to the significant concerns of the tech industry, legal professionals, investors, and entrepreneurs. There are no two ways around this simple fact. It's an attempt to build the Great Firewall of America. The bill would require service providers to block access to certain websites, very much contrary to U.S. official positions on censorship and Internet freedom, and almost certainly in violation of the First Amendment. Well, that's been that's in the mud anyway. It's been in the mud for quite some time. It says, and because Protect IP wasn't enough of a misleading and idiotic name, the House has upped the, the ante. The new bill is called the Enforcing and Protecting American Rights Against Sites Intent on Theft and Exploitation Act. That's a mouthful for you or the, and they call it the E-Parasite Act. Though, as they also say, you can call it the Stopping Online Piracy Act. The bill is big and has a bunch of problems. First off, it massively expands the sites that will be covered by the law. The Senate version at least tried to limit the targets of the law, but the impact of the law on sites that were dedicated to infringing activities with no other significant purposes already ridiculously broad. The new one just uh, targets foreign infringing sites and has only limited purpose or use other than infringement. So uh, they're really taking that off with that. I'll put that up tonight too. And all the other articles I talk about at cutting through com at the end of the broadcast. So that's going on there. And another one, too, to do the same one, I'll put that up, too. That's from Technology and Science and CBC News. Um, they talk about uh, uh, that. Plus, there's one in Canada, actually, 
uh, but first, the southern one is privacy watchdog reiterates lawful access concerns. This is to do with Canada, this one. And I've mentioned it already about a week or two ago. Privacy Commissioner Jennifer Stoddart expressed particular concern about a proposal to allow police to obtain subscriber data from Internet service providers without a warrant, including names, unlisted phone numbers and IP addresses. Privacy Commissioner Jennifer Stoddart expressed the, the concern uh, that they would let them go so far and bypass the, the courts altogether. So in an open letter to Public Safety Minister Vic on Wednesday, Jennifer Stewart reiterated her criticisms of lawful access. They want a, they want a law passed to give, to give them the right to do what that otherwise would be illegal. So they're going to call it lawful access. That way they could break any law if they get a, that kind of law passed for them. It says, uh, introduced in the last session, said she felt it was important to set them out again before the government reintroduces the provisions. And then she goes through the previous uh, lawful access bill, C50, C51, C52, would have had a significant impact on our privacy rights. These bills went far beyond simply maintaining investigative capacity or modernizing search powers. Rather, they added significant new capabilities for investigators to track and search and seize digital information about individuals. Stork explains concern about a proposal in the previous legislation that required Internet service providers to give subscriber data to police and national security agencies without warrant, including names and the phone numbers, etc. It amounts to circumventing the courts to obtain personal information. So only a prior court authorization provides the rigorous privacy protection Canadians expect, Stoddard wrote. And, and it's true enough, too. And, and believe you me, there's a lot of police. It's, it's happening in the States and other countries, too. There's a lot of police uh, do a lot of moonlighting, you might say, uh, with other private companies, etc. And there's a lot of your data being sold via the police now that a lot of them in other countries have access to, to your data. An awful lot that's going on. Big business, actually. So anyway, they're, they're pushing ahead for it. And, and eventually every police station will be sitting listening to everybody if they're bored stiff. All your phone calls. Do, and, of course, it gives them more, more uh, police um, um, establishments dedicated to that task. So as you understand every government agency uh, that's hired on, it doesn't matter how it starts and what it starts for, it wants to expand. They all expand and they get different departments, which makes them feel more secure in what they do. Uh, in other words, they can't be just all fired or laid off. Uh, they're too important now just to let go. So they love to keep building new departments. And there are countries now where police departments are listening to everybody. They're watching what you watch on the Internet in real time. And uh, this is, of course, what the whole darn system was designed eventually to do anyway, I'm pretty sure. So that's Canada. Now this article here is from Sovereign Independent. Culling the herd. This is a big, big uh, uh, topics right now with the United Nations that have come out, for instance. And uh, the United Nations, I think they said a few years ago when their world meetings, they could either keep two billion people alive in, in, the, in, a, in a kind of first world country luxury, they called it, of that time, two years ago, two or three years ago, and the rest of them on subsistence, food and, and standard of living. And she says, or we can basically um, bring down the population to keep that higher standard of living. 
Anyway, it says, Killing the Herd, How Women Are Being Targeted in Eugenics and Abortion Fraud. It says, How absurd does it have to get before women realize that the nice chap or lady in the white coat is not their best friend? It's true enough. There's so many ads, apparently, on television uh, with doctors with their white coats and always hanging their stethoscopes around their neck, which is a dumb place to have it because it would always fall off, especially if they're running to, to, to deal with a cardiac arrest, you know. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back cutting through the matrix, reading an article about how depopulation really and how they use when you get a governmental system of healthcare. Uh, politics are now involved in it and everything that comes from a political agenda from the top down uh, to what is supposed to be a service which is really authority it becomes an authority as well and they go into the political realm obviously the doctors become really like civil servants all working for the state and they go along with all the orders that come down from the top, from the big marketing companies that the, the government employs to change the minds and the, and, the, and the ways and habits of people. And so apparently the Telegraph had, had published this article, Abortion is Safer Than Having a Baby. That's a new normal, you see. That's a new normal they're pushing and propaganda to make people believe it. So it says the Hippocratic Oath basically states that doctors should do no harm to their patients. And that's true. This must surely include a healthy unborn child, but apparently not. Now it seems that doctors will be telling women, as part of their public health policy, that abortion is now safer than childbirth. In an age when technology can split the atom, it seems a bit far-fetched to consider childbirth a life-or-death risk for women and abortion a suitable alternative for whatever spurious reasons such doctors deem plausible. What kind of doctor can seriously consider telling women this ludicrous lie? If abortion was indeed safer than childbirth, then the female body would adapt to facilitate this naturally as a survival mechanism for the mother, as it indeed does in many cases of miscarriage. That is the very nature of nature. To plan the idea, or to plant the idea in a woman's mind, when she could well be in a vulnerable and suggestible state of mind for many reasons, that abortion is the best thing for her, is at best irresponsible, and at worst a callous act of a doctor not worthy of the title. And so they, they have here is, is, is the facts and so on and the links to uh, what, they're, what they're on about. Also, there's a link to the Daily Mail, which has British families shrinking. Uh, 60% say that the parents have said they can't afford a second child. And, of course, they said that to the United Nations, too, that economic disincentives could be foisted on the public to make it impossible to have a child who couldn't afford it. In fact, there's an article recently I read on the air about that very thing. It says, when the United Nations openly endorses China as a model state for the world with its horrendous record on human rights, including their one-child policy and forced sterilization and abortion programs, do you really think this is all a coincidence? Do you really? And, of course, it's no coincidence at all. And there are articles up there. There's even documentaries they put out themselves in the United Nations where they praise China as the model state for the world to follow. Mind you, 
it's the same eugenics program all over the world because in China, if you're from the, the upper middle classes, you can pay a little fine. Uh, if you want a second child, because you see, they want to breed the more intelligent, the more go-getter type, the up-and-coming type. They want to breed them. They can, they can breed, but the rest of you, all, all the ones down the bottom, the majority can't, you see, it's only for you. And that's just the way it is, folks. That's Fabian socialism. And there's a caller on the line, I think, hanging on here. And I think it's Justin from Florida. Are you there, Justin? Hello, Justin. Yes, I can hear you. Hey, um, I just had a, um, I had an observation that I just wanted your opinion on. I, uh, um, I was doing some thinking a little while back, and I was thinking about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. And, uh, and I was thinking, you know, I mean, it's the word of Jesus in his parable. When he's talking about the trees and how, you know, I mean, a good tree can only bring forth, well, um, Good fruit, and a bad tree can only bring forth, you know, um, yeah. like the bad fruit. So, what is the, you know, I mean, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? You know, I mean, you know, like, you know, uh, because according to Jesus, that shouldn't exist. You know, it's a tree with both good um, and bad fruit. Yeah, it's an it's an allegory or an or analogy really to do with um, prior. What they, what they mean by that is prior to 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 this happening. Uh, uh, Adam and Eve, as I say, were in a pretty incredibly naive state. In other words, they, they were they, they were innocent, completely innocent. So they lived in a state of blissful ignorance, you know. And um, and the whole thing, there's even jokes about it uh, to do with Adam. You know, I mean, he's, he's he's going around there with nothing or wearing nothing at all. And, you know, she's fluffing her hair and, you know, they flick it and stuff like that. And he's too busy planting his cabbages and lettuces and things to take much notice. So she gets bored and goes off. And then she sees that she's bored stiff, you know. And she, she can't go shopping. There's no shops anywhere. So she sees this tree and she's, you know, she's not supposed to go there, of course, but she, she's never had that fruit before. So she had to grab it. That's the little joke about it. But what it really means is that they lived in a state of absolute, um, innocence. Um, nothing had happened. They were not devious people. They didn't play games with each other. Um, uh, they didn't know. Uh, there, was, there was no such thing as, uh, there's nothing immoral about how they lived whatsoever. Um, uh, bliss in a sense. They didn't know how, how the saying is ignorance is bliss. So they, they were literally ignorant. They were ignorant of knowledge of all kinds. And therefore they lived in blissful ignorance. Uh, but the, what they're trying to say is that, um, by breaking a rule, uh, they, they lost the innocence because they gained, in, in an, an analogy, they gained um, an insight into what was right to do and what was wrong to do. And, and that was what they say in some religions, that was uh, part of the fall. So, uh, and then, then they immediately once they, they understood rights, wrong, uh, good and evil, um, they, 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 they realized they were naked. In other words, it was the first thing that hit them was that they were naked. Before that, didn't matter. And, um, and there was no guilt whatsoever. So it, it's a, it's a, it's a little story to tell you about, um, that you need a higher understanding to even understand what good and evil is. Otherwise, you are in a blissful ignorance. Uh, but, you, but knowledge brings consequences. Everything brings consequences. 
Um, and I've said for many, many years, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So even for gaining knowledge, there's a price to be paid for it. And with intellect and knowledge, uh, there's definitely a high price to be paid for it because with intellect comes cunning and um, and we have all the, the problems of today. That's how they would probably put it across in a, in a theological answer, you know. Right. Well, that kind of begs the question, you know, I mean, was that tree created, you know, to be eaten? Because obviously, you know, I mean, the fruit, if it was good for food, it was there to be eaten. Well, personally, I think I, th- I think Monsanto was had something to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was GM. <laughs> you never know. A genetically eh? modified tree for <laughs> yeah, for given knowledge. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but, but then, you know, um, yeah. So the whole idea was now that now that they had knowledge, um, uh, knowledge. When you take knowledge and intellect and the gaining and accumulation of knowledge, then you go for the one thing that definitely Eve wanted. And this is, this is again, discussed in some theological circles, um, and, it, and it was thousands of years ago. Uh, the woman, Eve represented women, basically. And um, she was the mother of all, in other words, too. And um, But, but she, it also showed her failings, and one was incredible vanity uh, and and with vanity and beauty the need to always be beautiful and live forever and of course that was the key for it and more, that, that was that's the temptation that she had right off the bat when she would understand things um, and she was lied to you can become as God you can become immortal and in other words she'd never age and she'd be beautiful etc etc so it's showing you that that with awareness of anything and once you, you, you lose that, that innocence and you have intellect and you have um, the, the ability to think through things, you, you become rather cunning and you can be a destroyer uh, as well uh, as someone who could be a good, a good mother, a good role model. And that's even said in, in the, the version in India where you have the mother goddess basically who's both the giver of life and the, the destroyer. It's very similar. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we also, uh, um, I was thinking because we have this knowledge of good and evil. You know, I'm, you know, like, like you said, if you don't know evil, then all you know is good. It's just ignorance. Yeah. So, in order to know that you're in heaven, you have to know the evil. So evil will never be destroyed. It will always be there. Yes. Well, uh, you know, I mean, well, it can never go away. It's impossible. Well, there's, there's actually schools of thought within that that religion, that old old religion, that, that discussed all of these things to do with, with the balance. And this is where all all the, all the occultic stuff they fall into that too. They they get off on what they think are secrets, but they're not secrets at all. But um, the balance of of everything, where where if everything was good, what would how would life be? If all was good, how would life be? Um, or if all was bad, how would life be? So they talk about the balance of the two. Um, and for the complete person, the complete person must be aware of both and maybe even experience a bit of both to come to the proper balance themselves. I think we all do to an extent going through life. Uh, we, we, we can touch or skirt around certain areas and before we, we learn, get enough wisdom to know we must keep ourselves in balance as well. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, it really is a balance. Oh, yeah. 
It is. So that's what I mean, that's what it is. That's the secret. Is that's the secret. But the problem in a materialistic world, and that's the problem with it too. Money is a is a, it's not just the love of money. Money is the root of all evil in a sense. Oh, it is, yeah. Uh, yep. So it's, a, it's really it's all to do with the world of materialism. Uh, the, the whole idea of the balance to a good and evil was also to do with the world of matter and the world of spirit. And uh, the, at one time they used to talk about soul and spirit. Soul was the activating force that led you to spirit. And of course, that even that was kind of copied to an extent from Egyptians. But uh, but they believed that if you died without getting spirit entering into you. Uh, then you, you, that was the end of everything. You went into the big pea soup and was, was lost forever. Uh, whereas if you got spirit in your lifetime, then you were truly alive. And that's why in the New Testament, Jesus says, I come to give you life and more abundantly. It was a spiritual thing he was talking about. Uh, uh, so, so an activating principle. And the activating principle is what makes you the individual. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's why he also said about people who didn't have spirit, he says, let the dead bury their dead which confused a lot of people, what he's talking about was they might be animated, they might be walking around, but technically they're dead without spirit. Yeah. Because they don't have any individuality. They're just swept along with the stream. They were creatures of instinct, they're also called. In other words, they, they'll do all the things of the world and they'll chase after the things of the world, but they, they, they don't see, seek after the higher things that, that, are, that, that are around the world, but above the world as well, or wherever. But, right. but the spiritual side of things, yeah. Yeah, and that's what the allegory of, of all these, uh, of the zombie movies and the zombie entertainment that comes out, because you always have, you know, the group of the enlightened people who haven't been affected by the plague and they're surrounded by the dead who just want to eat them, you know, and just move on. Yes, and, and even at the top of this materialistic system, you also have... Um, People who who are kind of like eating zombies, they eat everything. They eat uh, countries now through war and grab everything. They're just like gluttons for power, owning more and more of the material. And so you're living in a state really where there's no balance at all. Yeah. Right. That's why it's spiraling out of control. It is, but it's a planned control, as we all know. They do, they do publish well in advance what they want to take over and what they want to accomplish. And and it's our and uh, as our disbelief, we don't want to believe they really mean it, that, that shocks folks when they actually do it. But, but they do tell us where they're taking us all, and it's not pleasant at all. And, uh, the, you know, in the world of matter, I, I have no problem using the word evil. Um, they are evil. And I don't, even for a psychopathic, if you get a scientific term for, for, which is, you know, it's just a scientific thing of describing the same thing. Uh, psychopaths are, are technically the ones who are, are, are at the top of the tree. They're vicious. They're cruel. Um, uh, they, they are definitely evil. People who sit and plan to take countries over and, and slaughter whole bunches of people, lie to their own populations uh, as to why they're doing it. Uh, they're, they're definitely evil people running the world, yeah. Yeah, because they have no remorse and all they care about is themselves. They don't have yeah. the ability to look you know, into the other person's eyes and see the other person's pain and go, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't do this. This is going to hurt them. All they care oh, about. Oh, yeah. They, they have no no compassion whatsoever with someone outside their own club, basically. Right. And, and none, none at all. They feel nothing for people. Yeah. And that is evil. It is evil, absolutely. And that's what runs the world. That's what runs the world today, yeah. 
That has for an awful long time, though, really. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for taking my call, Alan. Thanks for calling. You do a lot of good. Thank you. Uh, thanks. And, and we'll go to Stephen from Oregon, if Steve's there. Hello, Alan. You there? Hello. Hello. Hey, uh, just a quick thing. Let's talk about naked girls in sports. Girls in sports. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, hello, my friend. I appreciate you a lot. I'm gonna the other caller that just thought, and I know mine is only an opinion, uh, and that's all it is because we all got opinions. But I think Eve um, had physical relations with something and it brought a two blood blind seed, and so we got good and evil. I don't really, I know it gets bigger than that, but it's, it's kind of uh, equal to something that we can understand, but that, that's my point, and so now we're fighting evil, and I guess probably someday, this is just something to look at, and like I said, I don't know anything, I'm just Stephen, but um, at the same time, that's something to look at, and so basically, probably evil and good will collide someday, maybe, I don't know. Uh, but that's what I look at. It was not a tree. It was not an apple. <laughs> it was, uh, I think she had sex with another entity. And I know that sounds weird, but that's what I believe. Well, well, that, that, that is discussed, as I say, in some uh, of the old uh, theological schools, uh, that, that, that they discuss that openly because they're allowed to, uh, question everything. And, uh, that is one, of course, that, 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 that she had, um, uh, relations put that way. Uh, with uh, an old, a being that pre-existed the garden, you know. Uh, in other words, from a previous age, uh, something with intellect and uh, something um, that could seduce, had the ability of, of already had the knowledge of, of seduction and how to do it, etc., uh, etc. Et and then, of course, they go into Cain and Abel. All through the Bible, there's always two lines of everything running off, you'll notice. There's many instances of two different lines. One, you know, one goes off to create this tribe, one goes off to create that tribe, etc. And, uh, but so you get so many of these instances, but you'll find with Cain, of course, Cain, um, slews, he kills his brother, and he's the offspring, supposedly, of this other, other being. Yeah. Can I but, hold, or should I just hang up? Yeah, yeah, I can hold on, sure. Yeah. Back after this. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix, talking to Stephen from Oregon about the, all the different theories that have come off from the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. Uh, and what's interesting too, of course, is um, they're, they're all theories and, and they're all they're fun to, to debate and, and to, to think through all the different things. But he was touching on uh, the fact that there's another lineage came out of Eve, and of course that was the Cain. And, and of course, it's, that's part of the whole theory of, of the Canaanites eventually came from that too. But uh, that the offspring were brighter than the other ones uh, that she had eventually with, with uh, Adam. And the offspring, uh, Cain himself, went down through, through time basically. Always hated, always marched, but no one was allowed to kill him. Interesting, interesting um, story. And he was an artificer. He, he could, he was a weapon maker, by the way. I guess he was an arms dealer. And uh, uh, also he helped to build cities, so he, he's also thought to be Nimrod. And uh, of course he ended up with the Tower of Babel and all the rest of it, and wanting to be God. 
but uh, it's an interesting story for sure, and people will will debate that forever, I suppose. Are you still there, Steve, are you? Yeah, I'm here. That was amazing. So basically, honestly, uh, I, I cannot add to anything you say. It, it is so amazing how you talk. So I'm going to change the subject real quick, and I'll get off, I'll get off right away. But I saw you with a guitar. Which I, I, I'm sorry to change the subject, but you were so great. I'm sorry. I know you don't like to hear that. Let's go change the subject. I saw you with a guitar. Are you a musician? Yeah. And do you have songs or something? Yeah, I've got songs out there, yeah. And if I, if I go on your internet, I can maybe find some or something? Different names. Oh, Different yeah. Names. I really like to hear your music. I'm a musician, too. And yeah. I'm sorry, man, you cover the news so well. I just want to change the subject or something. You cover everything so well, Alan. And uh, one last thing is I was looking at some, uh, and I'll leave with this, is uh, I was just going back through some old rock and roll in the 70s. I was listening to Black Sabbath that somebody sent me, you know, and he goes, queens and queens, and they'll steal your life and steal your dreams. Yeah. Super trap. Oh, man, there's such such great bands back in there that really somewhat tell the truth, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, the in those days, too, you... you, you you could sing about so many other things. Uh, it's, it's so based today. Everything's been brought down to as far as it can go. Once, once we hit rap, we hit the bottom, uh, and the popular rap. You know, uh, and of course, that was the intention of it. Because I've, I've read, I, I knew guys in the industry who knew this was the way it was supposed to plummet to bring down society towards the end. I, I met some of these guys uh, years before it all came out, and. Uh, uh, because that's part of the culture industry and they wanted to destroy all culture and remake it anew. But first you must destroy it. But then old bands, uh, yeah, they could, you could sing songs that you could whistle, you could uh, sing along to. Uh, it would have meaning personally, a lot of the things, because a lot of the, the, the bands wrote about things which actually happened in their lives and personal things. Uh, and so you could relate to them if you were a young person uh, going through the same things. And uh, unfortunately, it just um, it was, the whole the whole system was directed from the top. The whole you, you don't just make yourself a star; you, you're made to be a star. And uh, there's a big industry behind that, and they do have a political agenda, unfortunately, a social political agenda uh, to to work on. Yeah. Thank you so much, John. You're so a great. You're so. I mean, I talk to you, and it's almost like I'm talking to my best friend. And I, I really enjoyed. And I appreciate you taking my call. Well, thanks for calling. And from Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada. Remember, I donate, buy the books, etc. Because I don't ask for sponsors. I don't bring on advertisers as guests. And from Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada. It's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.